Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, However you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. All right, today is a big old Friday. Week 6 just kicked off last night in the NFL. And, man, oh, man, solid game. The Eagles, man, what the heck? I mean, their offense gets out to all these lackluster starts, and then they make it competitive and exciting at the end, but it's resulting into another loss here for this Eagles team, but uh, we took the Eagles plus six and a half, they lose by six, that's a cover, bingo, bango, half a point hook, I think this is the first uh, first time this entire season that the half a point hook has worked in our favor, uh, so I guess we'll take that, and I believe that's also our first correct Thursday night pick, so we're ready to kind of go this entire rest of the season without missing, I mean folks, we figured it out now, we have figured out the NFL betting 2021 season, folks, so can, you better get on board because we're making Taking our picks today, our three locks, our three ninety-nine percent guarantees, and now that we've cracked the code here of how to bet in the NFL this season, because you know the lines are changing and Vegas is learning from last year and what they made mistake-wise, and all these teams are figuring out which teams are good and which teams are bad. And hey, it, did it only take us five weeks to crack this uh, NFL season? That'd be pretty dang good. So, I mean, these picks, I mean, we're feeling so good about them. Off to a great start for Thursday, and we're ready to go six for six this week. So, we're making our official week six picks today on the show. We're going to be breaking down the Thursday night game, Brady Hurts. Brady wins, classic. Uh, break down that game, and uh, we got some stories to talk about, so let's just jump right into it today. In the first one up, some breaking news. The Eagles have traded tight end Zach Ertz to the Cardinals. Ooh, the rich get richer right here. We have the Cardinals as the number one team in, uh, in the NFL, number one in our power rankings, and they just got another great tight end right here. Now, their other tight end, Max Williams, who's always uh, also very solid. He's unfortunately on IR, so he's going to be missing the next uh, four games. But uh, they go out and get Zach Ertz. Now, Zach Ertz played this week, so he's not eligible to play with the Cardinals this week. So we will see Zach Ertz officially in action for the Cardinals next week. Uh, but, yeah, this is great here for this Cardinals team getting another tight end, and they are truly making a run for it. Uh, you know, getting J.J. Watt and getting A.J. Green, and now Zach Ertz. They are bolstering up the offense and the defense here to make a legitimate Super Bowl run. And for all that we've seen so far, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be running. They're going to be sprinting there at that Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, like we said, the rich get richer here. Zach Ertz, a great uh, tight end. He uh, caught a touchdown. Uh, last night he opened up the scoring for the Eagles last night Tom Brady goes down on a nice 75 yard dr uh, drive that results in a touchdown and Zach Ertz is like hey use use me in the end zone and they did and Zach Ertz ties the game 7-7 so the Eagles you know this is their best tight end they do still have Dallas Goddard as their other tight end but unfortunately here Zach Ertz has been with the Eagles his entire career Got drafted, I want to say around 2013, is that right? 
How old is Zach Ertz? Let's get that up real quickly. Uh, but yeah, he's been with the Eagles his entire career. Unfortunately, cannot finish there uh, with the Eagles, but uh, he's getting a chance to win a ring here, which uh, he just uh, did. He actually did win a ring. I forgot. Oh my goodness. How, how could we forget the Philly special with Nick Foles? So uh, he does have a ring. Give this man credit. Man's looking for a second ring here, but drafted in Philly in 2013. When they win the Super Bowl, 2017, is this correct? When they win the Super Bowl. When did the Eagles win the Super Bowl? 2017, 2016, something around those lines, I believe. 2017, there it is. Bingo, bango, fantastic. So uh, he's got a ring. He's going to probably uh, provide that uh, kind of ring role. Hey, I know what it takes to win a ring. DeAndre Hopkins, no ring. Kyler Murray, no ring. A.J. Green, definitely no ring. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, J.J. Watt, definitely no ring either. And even uh, Larry Fitzgerald, who uh, is – did he officially retire or he's not playing still? So whatever that is, he didn't have a ring. He's not on the team, but he still didn't have a ring. So maybe Zach Ertz can provide that, hey, I know what it takes to get to that big game and to win that big game. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, uh, Cardinals getting better here. Undefeated team. They've got a tough opponent this week in the Browns because they do have a couple of injuries on the offensive line and they're tight end they're not gonna have at Zach Ertz so a couple of uh, injuries this week but if they can power forward and beat the Browns next week with Zach Ertz we're potentially looking at an undefeated Cardinals team this season so Zach Ertz is going to the Cardinals and they don't have to really give up that much they send uh the Eagles cornerback Tay Gowen and a 2022 fifth round pick so that's fantastic. Let's quickly go to our favorite website, playerprofiler.com, and let's type in Tay Gowan. Is this man a good corner? Is he shutting down the elite uh, wide receivers? Is he going to help batter that Eagles defense? Because that's basically the best thing about that Eagles team is kind of the defensive side of the ball. The offense gets out to some slow starts. We saw it last night. Uh, I mean, they went three and out, 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 like five straight times in the first half after that Zach Ertz touchdown. So, you know, we knew Zach Ertz was a little unhappy with this Eagles team in the offseason, and then he was like, hey, you know, I'm feeling good here. I'm, I'm loving it here. We're, uh, we fixed everything. We're all good uh, between him and the uh, upper management, and they were going to kind of make it work this season. But, you know, a couple games into the season, some losses. Maybe Zach Ertz kind of wanted out a little bit. Eagles have to try and do something, you know, try and bolster up their team to, because, I mean, they got to start winning some games at some point if they want to, you know, a chance to make the playoffs this season. So they kind of see Zach Zach Ertz as their best bargaining chip. But like we said, they didn't really get that much out of it. You need to bolster up your defense. I mean, your defense is the best thing. You need to keep this offense. The offense is the thing that's struggling. Jalen Hurts had like 100, 100 yards passing last night. So I don't understand why the Eagles are getting rid of all their all the talent that they have on offense because it's a struggling offense. But if that's what Nick Sirianni decides in company there in Philadelphia... Alrighty, we'll see if that's the right decision at the end of the year and all that, and uh, we'll see if that 2022 fifth round pick pans out to be anything. But let's uh, type in Tay Gowan. What do we got here? Hopefully they've got, um, we can't even, they don't even got Tay Gowan. They don't even know who that man is. They're like, Tay Gowan, who are you talking about, bro? What are you talking about? Um, so he's not showing up on playerprofiler.com, which is definitely not a good sign, I would say. Tay Gowan. Nope. Alrighty, let's Google the man. Let's Google Tay Gowan and get his career stats up here. 
Did I spell his name wrong? Is somebody typing this man's name wrong? Nope. Tay Gowan. Tay Gowan, folks. Uh, he's a rookie. Y'all traded a rookie cornerback and a fifth-round pick for Zach Ertz. Eagles got kind of finessed out here, folks. What did you say? I'm saying. I'm saying y'all should y'all should say as well. What do we got? He playing all this season? He got anything? He's got no game log. This man's not even playing. So maybe he's good. When did he get drafted? He got drafted in the sixth round, so you got a sixth rounder in a fifth rounder? For Zach Ertz? Oh, that's a finesse. Oh, the Eagles finessed. Or the Cardinals finessed. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. They finessed them big time. So, that's what they got. Cornerback Tago in a sixth rounder in this year's draft. And then a 2022 pick fifth round this year's draft. So, okay. All right, Eagles, man. I don't know if that's the smartest move. I would have kept Zach Ertz, but okay. Also, Zach Ertz is not under contract. So, uh, you know, this is kind of a free year for the Cardinals here. And, uh, you know, we'll see if he re-signs this, uh, you know, this offseason with the Cardinals. But uh, they plan to utilize them heavily here. And uh, we'll see what the contract is going to look like uh, potentially in this offseason. Then I would not expect the Cardinals to kind of re, like, get, the, get a deal done during this season. So we'll see what happens with Zach Ertz and uh, this Cardinals team. No, Zach Ertz this week for Arizona, but next week he is eligible to play for them. But uh, I don't get that trade with Philadelphia, though. I think that's a little bit of a, a little bit of a finesse on the Eagles or on the Cardinals part. So Zach Ertz now a Cardinal, and uh, the team gets even better than it was. So that's the big news for today, folks. Alrighty, let's uh, head over to some other stories that we didn't get to yesterday and some other stories that uh, popped up today. So here we go, the first one up. And yeah, we got to take this Bengals team real serious, folks. They've got a solid game coming up this week facing the Lions. They really should blow them out. And this should be a big statement game for the Bengals coming off that close, excruciating uh, loss against the Packers, which they really should have won. They really kind of want to get back on top and be like, hey, we are a great team in this league. We deserve to be talked about in the national media. Nobody's really talking about the Bengals as a team. People are talking about Jamar Chase, which rightfully so. The man is getting it done, but we've got to respect the overall team here, and Zach Taylor wants y'all to know. So here we go. Zach Taylor says the Bengals are a team that's, quote, that's going to be reckoned with, and uh, you know, those are some big words already. We'll go in the article to get all the exact words here by Zach Taylor, but yeah, I mean, Bengals minus three and a half this week on the road seems like a real solid bet right here but uh, this Bengals team is starting to kind of believe in themselves and you know when you start believing in yourself when you start to kind of acknowledge hey we're one of the better teams you could potentially kind of flounder coming out of you know coming uh, out of that thought here so uh, we aren't going to take the Bengals minus three and a half this week but we do believe that is still a real solid bet right here because the Bengals theoretically should blow out the Lions Lions you know last two games real close losses um you know they're looking for their first win so I would kind of stay away from betting games 
that are dealing with the Lions just because they are still searching for their first win and uh, maybe they cover back door like they've been doing kind of all season already. So we still think the Bengals should blow out the Lions, but you couple Zach Taylor's kind of, uh, you know, eagerness to be like, hey, we're a real team. Where's my respect? You know, we talk about, you know, coaches wanting to get respect. John Harbaugh, um, you know, the head coach for the Ravens kind of saying a couple of times a season, hey, those were my calls. I was like, hey, Lamar, you want to go for it on fourth down? That makes a big headline. You know, John Harbaugh wants to kind of prove, hey, I'm pl- I'm coaching for my players. Um, uh, this is a great place to play because I listen to my players and all that. And then when, uh, what was it, the week after John Harbaugh, oh, what did he do? What did he say? Oh, I'm blanking on it. Um, let me go back quickly here. Can I bring it up quickly? He had like two back-to-back weeks where he's like, hang on, I want some credit over here. Let me quickly see the first one. Obviously, the Lamar Jackson going forward on fourth down. And what was the other one? Damn, I'm blanking, folks. I'm blanking. I'm sorry. Um, it was against the Broncos. Was that it? No, I don't think that was it. Alrighty, either way, coaches want credit out here. We get Brandon Stanley, uh, Stanley all up in the media these last couple weeks. Everybody coming out about uh, how, oh my God, he's such a great head coach because whenever he gets to kind of the press conference and the podium, I mean, his quotes are pretty solid. They are pretty solid. I'm not going to lie, but everybody's on board with Brandon Stanley. So coaches just want the recognition and the credit that they think they deserve. And Zach Taylor is like, hey, I got this Bengals team at three and two so far, top of our division for for the most part, and I want a little respect out here. So let's get in this article right here and truly see what Zach Taylor is saying about his squad here in Cincinnati and why we should respect them. So here we go. All right, here we go. The Cincinnati Bengals suffered a gut-wrenching overtime loss to the Green Bay Packers after storming back to tie the game late in Week 5, only to watch rookie kicker Evan McPherson miss a couple of field goals late. A couple? A ton? It was like three. Sheesh. In a game viewed as a measuring stick for the Bengals entering the contest, the comeback showed they have playmakers on offense to keep pace with the best. And that's what we noted. We took the Bengals plus three last week. We thought it was great value. It ended up being a push, but, you know, like we've been saying, it was basically a win. They had the field goal opportunity. They miss it. Multiple chances to win the game. So, um, yes, officially we pushed the bat, but our thinking was right there. And that's all we are looking for here on the show. Obviously, we want to hit our bats. Obviously, nobody likes to lose money we get that but as long as our thinking is right folks it is betting we know there's wonkiness potential maybe some insider you know um, shenanigans going around you know nobody can prove it but that's what everybody says oh my goodness I mean we even kind of saw it um, uh, last night when the Eagles went for the two-point conversion when there was really no reason to because the line was six and a half if they don't have that two-point conversion they only uh, they lose by seven and the Eagles plus six and a half doesn't hit so we all know betting, folks. I mean, y'all know how crazy it goes and how kind of potential absurd it can be. So as long as our thinking is on track, that's all we're looking for here. If our bets hit, obviously that's what we're looking for. But, uh, you know, as long as our thinking is on track like it was last week, we love the Bengals plus three. It was great value, and they basically should have won the game. The kicker was trash. It happens, folks. It happens all the time. If you if you bet, you know it happens all the time, and that's who I'm talking to out there. The people that bet who know what betting is like this is what we're trying to do as long as our thinking is on par that's what we're striving for here 
But uh, let's get uh, back to this article right here. In a game viewed as a measuring step, yep, yep. So here we go. Quote here by head coach Zach Taylor. Quote, it was a resilient group that showed through the effort especially in overtime. They played to that final down. Things just didn't go our way. That's life in the NFL sometimes, truly that. There are plenty of things we have to correct. There are some different mistakes we have not made previously that we made, and there are some things to clean up. But the good news is the resiliency really showed through and that we're going to be a good team that's going to be reckoned with, and we're going to be in the position to win a lot of games against really good teams like that so yeah that that's that's exactly I think Zach Taylor puts it exactly right right here they do have that big offense and I have to apologize to Joe Burrow one of our kind of preseason predictions here we did this um, a couple days before the NFL season started, and we predicted that Joe Burrow would be kind of the worst-looking quarterback of last year's draft class in their year twos with Tua in Justin Herbert, but uh, he's truly looking real good. Tua hasn't really played, so obviously we have to put Joe Burrow ahead of him. Uh, I still put Justin Herbert above Joe Burrow, but uh, the fact the, the way Joe Burrow is playing is looking absolutely fantastic, and I truly have to apologize. This was our exact wording. Joe Burrow is going to look the least impressive after year two from his draft and that is already wrong. So maybe it changes in the last you know 13 weeks here of the season but so far it's definitely not looking like that and they've got a 3-2 and two record heading into week six and it's looking real gosh dang good. His connection between him and Jamar Chase is looking extravagant, immaculate, fantastic and it's winning games and it's coming back from behind and winning ways. Folks you know there's multiple ways to lose in the NFL there's multiple ways to win in the NFL and that's what the first couple of weeks early on in the season are can we win can we win multiple ways that's why we celebrate the Cardinals for winning all the ways that they do coming back from behind in the second half just blowing them out right from the get-go running passing defense every which way they have found ways to win through the first five weeks and so far this Bengals team is staying in the games getting on that doorstep of winning games and once they finally find out how to kind of close out games and they are really really close I mean they were a field goal away from beating the Packers if they were able to find a way to win that game they're good for the rest of the season so like Zach Taylor says this team is going to be a force to truly be reckoned with once they get it truly all together and they are inches away from that so we'll see if it happens this week this could be a little bit of a trap game for the Bengals. Another reason why we are staying away from that game, that pick. Um... Because the Lions are looking for that first win, folks. They have not won all year long yet. So, in heartbreaking loss after heartbreaking loss. I mean, the Bengals, they just faced a heartbreaking loss. But the Lions did that times two. And they're looking for their first win at home. So, well, hopefully this Bengals team doesn't overlook this Lions team. Because they're coming off of a heartbreaking loss against the Packers. They don't get in their head and be like, oh my god, we are a great team right here. We just went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Packers and really should have won the game. You know. Hopefully they don't get 
too big of a head here in this quote here a little bit of clickbaity um you know it, it doesn't really seem like zach taylor's like hey i want all the attention i want all the expect he's you know putting it on the guys like man oh man they're showing great resiliency and then this is where the reckoned quote comes one uh comes from we'll say it again quote but the good news is the resiliency really showed through and that we're going to be a team that's going to be reckoned with going to be once we finally get on track of how we can close out games consistently then we will truly be reckoned with he's not saying hey we should be reckoned with right now even though we lost last week we should still be reckoned with that's not what he's saying and that's absolutely exactly what we want to hear from the man so I'm loving everything I'm hearing out of Cincinnati I'm loving everything I'm seeing out of Cincinnati and uh, I think we have to give this team a lot more credit than it is currently that it currently has at the current moment so shout out to this Bengals team We've got uh, one, two more quotes here, so let's continue on here. Hopefully, he continues to win us over and doesn't kind of negate everything that we just said, so here we go. Uh, let's read some lead-ups here. Taylor's 3-2 and two squad now has a different sort of test on the horizon. They travel to Detroit to face the winless Lions on Sunday. Good teams bury the bad news, even on the road, but the Lions have been feisty, losing on last-second field goals two of the past three weeks. Taylor knows his team can't can't come out flat on the road in a game they should win. Oh my goodness. Maybe we should take the Bengals plus three, minus three and a half. I might have to change my picks here. Let's see if he truly wins us over because now they're talking about this week's game, which we're a little concerned about. But here we go. Win us over, Zach Taylor. What do you got for us? Here we go. Quote, I've got a, a lot of respect for the Detroit Lions. They've been in... They've been in about every game they've played. A lot of them have come down to the last second against really good teams. I know what this team is made of. They've got our respect. They've got our attention. They're going to win games this year. We just can't let it start Sunday. Yes, game, you know, teams rarely go 0-17, 0-16, 0-17 now this season. Uh, what was it, like one team in NFL history? The Detroit Lions went 0-16, and then they also went 1-15, I believe. Um, but yeah, I mean, teams rarely go undefeated. So, you know, you're going to win games and they're going to come against maybe a surprise. Maybe they go out and beat a good team. They're looking for their first win. But Zach Taylor says, hey, they've got our attention. They've got our respect. We know how they've been losing. We just felt that last week. We kind of know a little bit. So they're not overlooking anything. That's absolutely fantastic. We get one more quote here. Uh, let's read the lead up. The next four games will tell a lot about the 2021 Bengals. Road games versus the woeful line. Lions and Jets are sandwiched around division bouts against the Ravens on the road and the Browns at home. If Cincy is to have a shot at pushing its way into an increasingly tight AFC playoff race, that is truly so. It is likely it likely needs to go 3 and 1 in that stretch. Most most importantly, the Bengals can't stub their toe against two bad te teams. Quote here by Zach Taylor, last quote quote we're a good team we're a resilient team we're a physical team and we're going to be a relentless team I feel like we've got that relentlessness on defense we've got the performers on special teams and we've got the guys that can create enough on offense where we feel really good going into every game that we have an opportunity to win so they're not taking the quote bad teams lightly they know what they have to accomplish here on this next four game kind of stretch here um, mostly 
quickly on the road, but they're going to take it in stride and they're going to get it going offensively. They feel like they have it down defensively, special teams wise. Just got to clean up some things offensively to put up a little bit more points on the board and they're ready to start proving that this Bengals team is the real deal. So it's all going to start this week. We won't get too big on the Bengals just quite yet. We'll be ready. We'll be ready when the time comes on Monday. If they blow out the lines, we're right on this Bengals team, talking them up, celebrating, betting on them, believing in them, breaking them down in our Wednesday film studies, truly looking at what this Bengals team is all about. But they have to go out and accomplish it this Sunday before we uh, start to really do that. So we're loving everything that we're hearing from Zach Taylor. This should not be a... um an overlooked game for them, and uh, we've got a couple of uh, decent, decent couple of minutes uh, before we get into our week six picks, and uh, I think we may do another bonus one. I think we might do another bonus one, folks. I think I'm liking the Bengals minus three and a half. Are we going to be betting the Bengals every single week, folks? I think we might. I think we might. They're 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 winning me over. They're winning me over, folks, and they should win you over as well. Um, I don't like to toot our own horn here, but we're always kind of like a week or two weeks uh, in front of the national media, folks. That's how it is because we go in-depth on every every single team, every single player, every single day, every single week. Um, you know, we were right about the Cowboys about two weeks in advance. We put the Cowboys at, like, number two in our power rankings, like week two. Now Colin Coward is finally doing it. Now Stephen A. Smith is finally doing it here. Last, last week, Stephen A. Smith, I believe, did it. This week, it was Colin Coward, but we're, like, two weeks ahead of the curve there. So this is what we do, folks. We're a little bit ahead of the curve, and I think we're going to be a little bit ahead of the curve here on this Bengals team. So go get the value while you can. Bengals minus three. It may be good. We haven't taken it officially yet, but um, I'm going to be mulling it over for the rest of the show, folks. I'm very, very close to taking them. So, Bengals minus three and a half. Man, oh, man, I think I love it. I think I love it. All right, let's move on. Who else are we going to love and buy today or sell today? Because we might be selling this because is this, is this like the second or third time, maybe even fourth time we've heard this from Zach Wilson so far through the offseason through right now? I don't know, man. He always says the same thing, but let's see. Here we go. Jets quarterback Zach Wilson on rookie struggles says, quote, I need to stop overthinking and just rip it. Yeah, I thought you said that like two weeks ago. You still aren't over. You still aren't ripping it. You still are overthinking it. What are we talking about here? Um, obviously, you know he got big because of the game uh, against the Titans, where he went big down to Corey Davis, and that was a great throw. But remember, we broke it down, and it wasn't the smartest decision. It ended up being a good decision because it was a touchdown. But if that was incomplete, I mean, nobody's even talking about Zach Wilson anymore. Honestly, that's really why people are talking about him because of that deep. What was it, fifty, forty-five? 50, 55-yard bomb for a touchdown to Corey Davis. And it was a great throw. I'm not saying it wasn't a bad throw. But, you know, once again, the what if our Disney Plus series, what if, what if uh, Zach Wilson had that incomplete to Corey Davis? Nobody's talking about Zach Wilson. Nobody. Nobody's even talking about him. Nobody even remembers he's even in the league, folks, except Robert Sala because he's on the team. That's it. So, um, you know, if he it was a bad pass or it was a, a not the greatest decision because there was a route on the right sideline about 15 yards shorter and it would still be about a 30, 45 yard gain at that point and that was wide open but he decided to take the big shot. So he ripped it there 
but now he didn't rip it last week in London. So, I mean, you saw what you needed to do, and then you're regressing, and now you're blaming it on the overthinking again. So, let's get, uh, let's see what we get in this article. Let's get the full wording, the quotes, all of that, the questions, the lead-ups. Why did this man say this? And is this something that we should be concerned about with the Jets' offense? Because kind of weird, we're seeing we're seeing this in a couple of teams, in a couple of players. Um, they're not playing real well in the first half, and then they come back and uh, you know make the game a little close, and then overall uh, people are like, oh, they're a good team or a good quarterback or just a good offensively. We just saw that yesterday with the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. We like Jalen Hurts, but they're getting off to way slow starts, and they're not looking great. And then, yeah, they only lose by six, but they really should be losing by like 14 to 21 points right there. Same thing with his Jets team in London. Couldn't do anything in the entire first half and then made it decently competitive in the second half. And, you know, uh, a lot of people just kind of focus in on that final score. Once again, why we break down how they're scoring, who they're scoring to, how consistent is their offense, how are they moving the ball? That's what we break down every week on the show, folks. Um, so a little interesting here uh, with these quarterbacks, Zach Wilson and uh, Jalen Hurts, not at that point needed, not at that point yet that is needed to be consistent through an entire game, let alone an entire season. But they're still young. We're not kind of totally writing these players off, folks. We understand they're rookies. Jalen Hurts is still kind of basically a rookie in number of games played because, you know, he only started like four or five games last season. We're only four or five, you know, know six games into this season so he still doesn't have a full season under his belt so we understand players can grow and change we obviously we get that folks you don't need to bring that up every time we talk about something we understand things uh but uh you know we definitely need to start to see some more consistently consistency out of them to start buying in them buying in the players the teams betting on them and all that but let's get to what Zach Wilson is saying here. Here we go. It's been a rocky start to New York Jets quarterback Zach Wilson's career. The rookie has been beaten up through his first five games. At times, Wilson looks overwhelmed, rushing through his reads to skip a worm burner. <laughs> okay. Rushing through his reads to skip a worm burner. Interesting. I've never heard that word, and I like it. Worm burner, because you throw it to the ground. That's where the worms are, so you kind of like burn them because of the friction of the football to the ground. I like that. I kind of like that, that phrasing. Worm burner. The man's throwing worm burners out here, folks. He's killing the worms. Imagine you're a worm just, you know, enjoying life, enjoying your slithering in the dirt, and you got this quarterback throwing this giant pigskin football into the ground, ruining your home, burning your worm skin, um, and it's coming right down to the dirt. Come on. Come on. I'm sorry. <laughs> Zach Wilson's a worm burner out here, folks. I've never heard that before. Who wrote this? It's fantastic. Kevin Patra. I love it. That's our new word, folks. Worm burner. Worm burner. We're going to be watching that on Wednesday Film Study this week, folks. We're going to be watching all the worm burner passes. I love it. Oh, I love it. Let's read this one more time. The rookie has been beaten up through his first five games. At times, Wilson looks overwhelmed, rushing through his wee reads to skip a worm burner at a receiver's feet. 
There are glimpses of the dynamic arm and the ability to make plays on the move. But those fleeting moments have been few and far between in the Jets' 1-4 and four start this season. With the Jets reaching their bye, oh thank goodness they're on a bye this week. I mean, obviously every team wants that kind of bye. Alrighty, uh, you know, teams with an early bye, still, you know, a good advantage. You know, the bye week, you know, having a late bye kind of sucks. Uh, you know, having that kind of first, this is the first week of the byes as well. Um, so, you know, having a bye this week or next week, alrighty, we played kind of the first quarter of the season, the first four games, five games, six games, whatever it is, alrighty, what did we, what were we doing good, what were we doing bad, how were we winning, how were we losing, totally just taking that entire week and just um, deco uh, decompressing, um, decompressing on that first half of the season, so this could be a huge, great bye week for Zach Wilson, and we'll see if he takes advantage truly you know, learning from what he has experienced so far, taking a breath, soaking it all in, watching the tape, and then moving forward, correcting all the mistakes. So whatever Zach Wilson says in this quote that we're about to read, you, we are going to harp on that come next week when they actually play because they're, uh, they are on the bye this week. So this is all the, the – you got a full week here to fix and correct everything that you just specified right here. So let's see what Zach Zach Wilson should be truly fixing during this bye week. Here we go. Quote by Zach Wilson himself. Quote, yeah, I would just say overthinking that. Or no, we got to read one more lead up. My apologies. With the Jets reaching the bye week, Wilson said it Tuesday he hopes to recharge and get back to simply playing football. Quote, yeah, I would say just overthinking them. I would just say to an extent, aiming the throw rather than just throwing it like I've always done my whole life, just reacting to what a defense is giving me and just throwing it rather than putting too much thought into it. Obviously, I got a, a lot I'm learning every single week, and I'm always putting my mind on new things I need to learn, and with that sometimes comes being a little bit robotic, and I think sometimes that's how those throws come out. I'm aiming them. I just have to throw and rip it kind of how I do in the second half when we have some of the those big plays down the field. I'm just reacting, throwing it to where I feel like my receiver is at and how they're coming out of things rather than just trying to put it to a spot. So just letting it loose, playing less robotic, and just feeling it, reacting to what the defense gives you. I know we kind of harp on dink and dunk, folks, but it's a nuanced discussion on the dink and dunk. You must take what the defense gives you, but you cannot fall in love with that. That's why we were kind of impressed with that big play to Corey Davis that was for the touchdown and not kind of taking the safer route. We do like that. We do understand you need to take those shots, and we say it every single week. Week You much must stress the field vertically that's exactly what the Eagles didn't do last night all those screen plays dink and dunks and it didn't work out because they weren't able to stretch the field vertically so it is a nuanced dis uh, discussion folks that's why we take it every single week and every single play and break it down we understand and we track all of that 
So we'll see what uh, Zach Wilson does to uh, truly play less robotic here. We're starting to get, I think last week was the first week he had his full complement of receivers or maybe the last two weeks. Uh, so, you know, coming into this bye, breaking down that footage and film and getting everybody truly on the same page now that all three good wide receivers are healthy here. So Zach Wilson knows what he's doing wrong and we'll see if he fixes it in this bye week here. Must fix it here on the bye week. And we'll see how he's looking next week. Who do they have after the bye? Is it going to be a tough opponent where they are truly tested? Let's quickly take a look. Here we go. Week 7. The Jets have the Patriots. That's a pretty solid game. It's obviously tough because it's Bill Belichick, but uh, it's still a winnable game overall. It's not like the Patriots are so great offensively that they can put up like 40 points and instantly outscore the Jets. It's just going to be... Uh, Zach Wilson playing less robotic against a Bill Belichick-schemed defense, moving the ball and taking what Bill Belichick is going to give you. We can already tell you the game plan. They're not going to let you throw to Corey Davis. The, Bill Belichick will not allow Corey Davis to beat him. So you must go to Jamison Crowder and your number three wide receiver here. Uh, why am I blanking on that, man? Uh, Jamison Crowder. Corey Davis, let me get their number three because it's still a good wide receiver and I'm blanking on it. And I'm a little upset I'm blanking on this third man out here. He was the number two for like the first four weeks while James Crowder was not healthy. Um, Keelan Cole, how could we forget? I apologize, Keelan Cole, real solid out here. But uh, you're going to have to go to Jameson Crowder and Keelan Cole for basically that entire game. Dink and dunk when you need to because Bill Belichick is not going to give you anything short. He's going to pressure you, and he's going to take Corey Davis away. So that's what you have to look forward to. I already know. Hopefully, Zach Wilson knows and the, you know, the, the team knows. Robert Sala knows what the uh, Patriots are going to throw at him. The offensive coordinator is going to know what – Bill Belichick is going to throw at him, and they can have the perfect game plan here uh, and implement it during this bye week. So this is this is it, folks. This is going to be a true – I'll call this the first true test here for Zach Wilson this season. He has the first five games under his belt. He's at a bye week and a winnable game coming off of the bye with a good defensive team. So what have you learned? What have you done this entire – your entire NFL career? Even though it's short, prove all that you have done next week. And we're going to be focusing big on Zach Wilson come next week, coming out of the bye, folks. We got to see some big things. <clears throat> So that's what we've got on Zach Wilson, and uh, we uh, will have a we will start a fresh slate, a clean slate of thinking of Zach Wilson. Whatever we thought about him in the first five weeks, we can put that behind us, and we are gonna go forward next week with Zach Wilson. So we're learning him all over again. Is he good? Is he bad? We find out next week, folks. So. You got to watch. You got to watch Takes by Fans for two straight weeks, folks, so we can truly understand Zach Wilson. So uh, we'll see what he's looking like. All righty, next story up here. And this is interesting. This is interesting. The Bills, are they starting to get a little bit uh, full of themselves because they beat the Chiefs last week? What did we hear out of the Bills last week heading into that Chiefs game? It's just another game. We're not harping on it. Okay, we faced them last year in the AFC Championship game. We don't care. We don't care. It's all business. They were on their Bill Belichick. We're on. We're on to the Chiefs. We're on to the Chiefs. It's another game. This is the biggest game because it's the next game. That's all we heard out of the Bills. But now... Now we get this little story right here. How clickbaity is this story? What are they truly saying? We're going to find it all out here. 
But this is what they get. Uh, another primetime Monday night football game here for the Bills. Back-to-back weeks. And this is what they're saying now when they have to face the Titans. Bills out for revenge after getting stiff-armed by Derrick Henry and the Titans last season. I mean, we've got the picture right here. I mean, this is iconic. This was uh, second place to uh, Derrick Henry on the throne here of our canvas selection. We wanted to go a little bit more classy, a little bit more respectful of his overall season and not just one great, fantastic, disrespectful play right here. Um, but yeah, stiff arming cornerback Josh Norman into oblivion and making him look <laughs> foolish. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this picture is honestly iconic, folks. So they said, quote, we get reminded every time I see highlights. So who's saying this quote? Are all the Bills feeling this way? So let's quickly go in this article and see what the kind of narrative is this week for the Bills going against the Titans. And the Bills are minus five and a half favorites here. Kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. They were, um, were they underdogs last week? Uh, We took a minus three. We took the Chiefs minus three, correct? Um all these spreads and numbers um, kind of meshing together, unfortunately. Um, so here we go. Uh, Chiefs were officially, yeah, three-point favorites. Yeah, so, um, you know, Bills now this time on the road, five-and-a-half-point favorites. Mm, is that a hint to our pick? It might be. But here we go. Let's see what the Bills are saying here about uh, having to face Derrick Henry again in that monster of a man. Here we go. The Bills haven't forgotten that play either, which was the low light of their 42-16 beatdown in Tennessee last season. Quote here by Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott is saying this, quote, folks. They set the tempo. Head coaches set the tempo in the locker room every single week. I'm sure he was like, he was telling all those players to say, hey, this is just another game against the Chiefs but now they're using outside motivation from last season I don't know here we go quote we get reminded every time I see highlights I see that play and then you know look give them credit they outperformed us they outcoached us they outplayed us they're a good football team The game in question was played on a Tuesday night last season due to a COVID-19 outbreak in Tennessee. The embarrassment from that loss has stuck with Buffalo, said quote here by Sean McDermott again. Quote, you can learn from those experiences. And we weren't very disciplined in that game, detail-oriented. We didn't take care of the football. I mean, it was like I told you they outperformed us. So they're using this as fuel. Why didn't they use the same tech, this kind of same tactic last week? That was an AFC championship game. This was just a regular season game. You're not going to take the fuel of getting beat one game away from going to the Super Bowl. It's all business last week, but you're going to use this stiff arm and say they outplayed us and outcoached us and use this as outside motivation. Is this the right call? So maybe the Titans plus five and a half is looking like a better bet here. Not saying that the Bills are going to just kind of get blown out or that they're still not going to win this game. But five and a half points is huge, folks. I mean, the game last night, take that for example. Um, And it's kind of the same exact thing. Uh, the, uh, The road team is heavy favorites, six and a half point favorites for Tampa Bay last night on the road. Bills here this week, five and a half point favorites on the road. And the, obviously the Eagles are worse overall than the Bucs. I don't think by, by a huge margin, but a solid margin. Um, I would say the Titans are a little bit worse overall than the Bills are. But still, games are usually close, folks. And the 
uh, the Eagles just lost by six last night, and we're getting five and a half here tonight, So or on a Monday night. So that may be the better bet here. They may be kind of getting a little bit too full of themselves coming off that huge win. And I know they won't admit it, but they know that was a huge win beating the Chiefs. And the Chiefs aren't that great record-wise, but still in the national media, they are the best team in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the NFL. They are still riding high. I mean, they get ratings. They get, you know, talked about every single day because they're the Chiefs. So, you know, they are smiling in that locker room here. But now kind of a complete 180 here um, like mentality wise heading into this game so this is going to be interesting folks and this is going to be something to point to if the Bills have an off game alrighty we get uh, quotes here by Derrick Henry let's get it from his perspective here here we go on Monday night a much different Bills team than the one stiff armed into oblivion heads back to Tennessee and can we oh, I gotta congratulate these NFL.com writers once again Kevin Patra yes sir Give the, this man needs to write every single article he's not using the word gush every two seconds here he had the worm burner uh, word right there absolutely fantastic and then stiff armed into to oblivion. I think we've been saying that. I think that's how we've been describing it, folks. Stiff-armed into oblivion. Absolutely fantastic. Shout out to Kevin Patra, folks, of NFL.com. Give this man a raise. Give this man. If you want to start writing for takes by fans, I'll hire you. Shit. Damn, I'm loving it. Uh, let's get back to this quote here by Derrick Henry. Uh, for one, Norman is no longer with the club. The Buffalo defense has also flipped the script, dominating opponents through five weeks. The Bills enter Monday's contest ranked number one in points allowed, total yards, yards per play allowed, turnovers, and big plays made. They also rank second against the pass, third against the run, and fifth in third down conversion rate. Henry isn't interested in reliving the magic of last year's big play with the rematch on tap. Quote here by Derrick Henry. Nah, I kind of don't want to think about it. It happened and it's over with. Exactly. It happened. It was great, but okay, I'll do it again. Fuck, I'll, the next one's going to be the better one. I'll stiff arm two people at the same time with two hands. I'll hold on to the ball with my mouth and stiff arm two people with my left hand and right hand at the same time while also running 40 yards for a touchdown. He's like, okay, a one a one person stiff arm? That's nothing. Why are y'all harping on that? Y'all don't even know what I can do. Uh, last quote here. Henry knows it's not the same defense he faced last year saying, quote, they are ranked third for a reason. Even looking back 2019, like two years ago, they still have some of the same guys who played together for a long time, who know the schemes very well, and who do great in the scheme. They have a lot of experience from top to bottom. It's a really good defense. <laughs> it's a really good defense. Try to hold on that sneeze for the last word. Unfortunate. Um, so, you know, Derrick Henry's putting it behind him, but the Bills are using it as motivation. So we'll see which team comes out on top. And uh, we are picking this game in our picks, and it's in our lock section, folks. Got to stick around for which side we're leading, the points or swallowing the points. We're, t we're taking the points, but uh, still, got <laughs> to wait to the end. Don't, don't click off now that you got one of our picks. All right. Next uh, story up here, and a uh, little interesting here. Seahawks, obviously, no Russell Wilson this week and potentially for a couple weeks, but we don't even know. He could be back next week, folks. I know the doctor was like, uh, what did they say, five to six weeks potentially? Um, but then the doctor was like, yeah, he could probably go very, very soon as well. So, And we've got something else to talk about with Russell Wilson, but let's focus on Geno Smith first. 
Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith ready to make his first star in four years, calling it, quote, a test of patience. And yeah, that is truly it. And we saw him last week and he looked really, really solid. Now, did he look really, really solid because he's a good quarterback? I mean, we told you he had, you know, he learned under Phillip Rivers and Russell Wilson. And oh, I'm blanking on one other good quarterback. It was Phillip Rivers, Russell Wilson, obviously, for these last two seasons. And he played with one other quarterback, a solid quarterback. Uh, um, Eli Manning, I believe it was. So Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, and Russell Wilson. I mean, those are three great quarterbacks to learn the game from. Uh, so did he put all that collective information that he learned over the last four or five years here and put that into the game? Or was he successful because there was no recent tape on Geno Smith and nobody was preparing to go against Geno Smith? He was looking real good last week against the Rams. Unfortunately, you know, through that interception, that really wasn't his fault. Uh, the uh, receiver fell fell down on the route, and, you know, that's going to be an easy pick every single time. So we still can buy into Geno Smith, uh, but let's see what he has to say about finally getting this opportunity to start. So here we go. It's Geno time. Geno Smith is set to start his first game in four years Sunday night when the Seattle Seahawks head to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. Smith has been Russell Wilson's backup in Seattle for the past three years after spending 2018 as a backup with the Chargers. There's the Phillip Rivers connection. Smith had attempted just nine passes in three years in 2018 to 2020 before last week. The time on the sideline has taught the former New York Jets starter patience both on and off the field, says, quote, knowing I have the capability to play in this league, but I'm just not getting that opportunity for a number of years was a test of patience. And that also goes for me playing quarterback on the field. When I was younger, coming from college, we put up so many points. I was just so used to scoring every time. And so that was my mentality. But the NFL, man, you ain't going to score every time. Alrighty, so kind of, you know, learning how to play the game and how to manage it. It's not just kind of put up as many points as you can. It's, hey, you know, let's try to put up some points. Obviously, we've got to try and score, but try not to do too much. So the other team, you know, makes it hard on the other team to score because if Geno Smith is turning over the ball, giving the opponent team a great starting field position, I mean, you're not going to be able to keep up scoring pace. So Geno Smith has learned this, kind of slowing down the game a little bit. We get anything else here? We get one more quote, so let's read this lead up. With Wilson undergoing surgery, expected to be sidelined, expected to sideline the starter at least until week 10. Is that what they're saying? At least until week 10? I think Russell Wilson may come back maybe a little bit before that, folks. And we're, we've got something to talk about with him as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the first initial thing was like about six weeks, five, six weeks. But uh, then kind of the next day, that really got no play. And we didn't even really talk about it here on the show. But uh, the doctor was like, yeah, I could really see him playing really, really soon. He didn't elaborate soon, but don't be surprised. Obviously not this week, maybe also not next week, but the week after that, and would that be what, week eight? So not this week, not maybe next week, yeah, maybe week eight. I would say more like week eight, folks. I'm calling the week eight. My, med my medical degree says week eight for Russell Wilson. All right, um, the Seahawks are counting on Smith to keep their season alive after starting two and three. Smith has been through adversity throughout his career after being anointed the Jet Savior as a 23-year-old eight years ago. After an up-and-down start to his career, Smith lost his starting job to Greg Green. Gang, or, 
Smith lost his starting job with Gang Green in 2015 when he when his jaw was broken from a punch from teammate um, Ike. Oh my God, I totally forgot about that's how he lost his job. Can we give a little respect to these quarterbacks that lost their job because of unfortunate circumstances? Tyrod Taylor with the doctor puncturing his lung. Come on, dude. And now we get uh, I forgot the punch with former teammate Ike Enem and that. Polly, and I don't think this man has played ever again since that incident. Um, it was his, they got into like a scuffle in practice, and he punched him in the mouth, and he broke Geno Smith's jaw. Totally forgot about that. Um, let me find, let me Google this man. I can't even pronounce this man's last name. We'll call him Ike. I think it's Ike. I don't even know, folks. I apologize. I don't know this dude's name. Um, Ike Enemk Polly. Enemk Polly. Ike Eek. Inimk Polly, um, just busting Geno Smith's jaw. How unfortunate! And our Google isn't working. We can't Google this man. They they do not want us to Google this man, unfortunately. Um, so we can't bring up what this man has been doing. Maybe I can now. Let me see. Nope. Okay, we'll move on. It's not that important. I, I doubt he's even in the league anymore. But, yeah, he did break his jaw. Gosh damn. And that's why he lost the starting job because he couldn't go. Um, all right, back to the article here. About to read the last quote. He's made just two starts since with the last coming in 2017 as a member of the New York Giants. Quote by Geno Smith. Quote, anytime you get adversity, it's a chance for you to show what you are really about and to respond. At the time, looking back on it, in that moment was I was totally aware of that. Probably not. But as you go on, you just grow and see how things, how those things can help and shape you to get better. I think that's what it did. So he's taken all those experiences that he's learned over the last couple of seasons as he was, you know, having to play the backup role and he's ready to come out and show that, hey, I can get it done here for the Seahawks team. So we'll see if Geno Smith has got it. Um, we'll see if last game was a fluke. We really can't decide. Uh, we really can't know for sure until this game play is played this week and it's on uh, Sunday Night Football here. So it's going to be a tough game in Pittsburgh, and we'll see how Geno Smith responds. But uh, this is once again going to be one of our picks here this week. I don't know if we can truly buy Geno Smith, and it's not disrespect towards Geno Smith. It's just overall, this offense for the Seahawks was also struggling a little bit with Russell Wilson. And obviously, Russell Wilson's better than Geno Smith. That's not disrespectful to say. That's just obvious. Um... But, uh, yeah, the Seahawks offense was struggling with Russell Wilson, so I don't know if I can buy Geno Smith. And I also think the Steelers are getting um, kind of downplayed in the national media. Everybody's talking about Big Ben, Big ben having a noodle arm. And, yeah, he can't move around in the pocket. That I do agree with. But his arm strength is still there. And they were still putting up the yards, folks. The yards were always still there. It was the point totals that is throwing everybody off and is kind of having a false narrative going around in our opinion so we're going to be taking this game as well and uh, putting our money where our mouth is of those last words that we just said so we'll see what geno smith can do Alrighty, those were all the stories that we needed to go over quickly, but there's a couple things we just need to touch base on quickly before we break down last night's game. So here we go. Browns have designated wide receiver Jarvis Landry to return from IR. So that's going to be big. That's going to be huge. Obviously, you know, have, you know, Baker Mayfield and OBJ hasn't really been the 
best since he's came back. And obviously, Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry is the little bit of a better connection. Uh, I don't know why they can't hook up with OBJ, but uh, they're just not getting it done. Um, so having Jarvis Landry back in their full complement of receiving weapons to pair with Baker Mayfield and those rushing weapons, the Browns offense should still be solid after putting up that 40-plus point performance last week. So uh, Browns getting a little bit better with Jarvis Landry back off of IR. Tua is also going to be playing this week as well. Yes, sir. Thank goodness. So a lot of people coming off of IR. T.Y. Hilton, like we said yesterday, fantastic. Uh, this is what we had to talk about Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, back at practice after five days of having a surgery on his finger, he went through drills. He didn't take any starting reps, but he still went through drills with his injured hand tucked and is helping Geno Smith prepare for the start. So once again, we love leadership here. Uh, you know, we love the DAC leadership. We always shout out leadership when we see it. Patrick Holmes, two, three weeks ago on the sideline after, you know, bad offensive performance, riling up his team on the sideline. You know, getting his players ready to go out there. Love that leadership. And Russell Wilson displaying that leadership as well here. Uh, hey, I don't care that I just had surgery. I'm out here with y'all. We are a team. We are a family. And we are going to get this going. And I'm helping out Geno Smith as much as I can. So, Russell Wilson here leading by example during drills. Like I said, not taking away starting reps. He's not throwing the ball. But he's going through drills and helping Geno Smith. And he's being that mentor on the field. He could easily just be kind of in the training room, getting right, rehabbing, doing all that, maybe even be away from the team resting, but no, he's on the field being the great leader that we know he is. So once again, big praise there to the leadership in Russell Wilson. Fantastic. All right, then we get the top five passing leaders, and uh, obviously we had uh, Tom Brady throw for like 300 yards uh, last uh, yesterday, so this does not reflect that yet, but Tom Brady, the number one quarterback in passing yards through five weeks this season. Once again, father time, folks. It's not the Tom Brady story. He is the outlier. He is the exception to the rule. So, Whenever we talk about quarterbacks and we set some bars and standards on just the, you know, just kind of generalization of what makes quarterbacks good and what makes them bad and all that. Uh, all of that is disregarded for Tom Brady, folks. So don't come back at me and be like, well, Tom Brady doesn't fit this and look at him. Obviously, he is the exception to every single rule that I set, that the national media sets, that you set. If you set rules for yourself, which I hope y'all do, y'all should be setting, you know, standards of what you want to be seeing every single week. Um, so you don't just because when you folks, the, the point about social media and just just narratives and talking in general is if you don't think before somebody says something, you're just going to internalize that as kind of not the 100% end-all, be-all truth, but that's going to be the take that you focus on more. And it's not consciously, folks. You're not doing it consciously. You're doing it subconsciously. You don't even know you're doing it. That's why, you know, that's why we uh, predict all the spreads before we look at them. Yeah, we think, oh, if we just looked at the spread and be like, oh, you know, this Ravens minus three, oh, that's great value. We wouldn't even really know because we didn't set that bar we didn't set that thinking before we looked at it and now it's already in our subconscious oh ravens minus three. Oh yeah ravens minus three that's kind of what maybe i would have said and yeah i thought that was great value so just really before it's like reading uh when there's a question posed on twitter or something like that don't read the replies first think about your answer and then read the replies and then gauge off of those replies but if you instantly read the replies without without thinking it through the first take you see is going to be the one you gravitate toward folks so um 
I don't know how we got there, but that's just my thinking on why we do things here, folks. Um, I got no problems explaining why we do things. It's, we, uh, folks, I say it all the time. We don't do things for no reason. We don't do anything that I would. I don't say anything I would not do myself personally, folks. Uh, so that's just some of what makes us tick over here. <laughs> Thanks, my fans, folks. Um, so Tom Brady. Um, you know, uh, the unwritten rule, folks, if you're setting rules for Tom Brady and, you know, what's good at quarterback and what you want to see, all that, he is the exception to every single rule ever thought and created. So Tom Brady still doing it here at 44, 45. Absolutely stupid. We get Derek Carr, or uh, Tom Brady at number one with 1,767 yards. Derek Carr, number two, at 1,605 yards. Matthew Stafford, number three, at 1,587 yards. So Matthew Stafford in this system, you know, fantastic. Everybody kind of, you know, knows that Matthew Stafford's a great talent, and now he can prove it on a great team. And here he is through five weeks, third leading in uh, passing yards. Fantastic. And then look at this, Justin Herbert, number four, 1,576 passing yards. Absolutely fantastic. This man is the real deal. And, you know, as we're transitioning into this kind of new era of quarterback, we've already lost um, Drew Brees. We've lost Phillip Rivers. We're starting to lose Big Ben. Um... Who else we got? Um, Aaron Rodgers is kind of on the way out a little bit. Um, Tom Brady, obviously, also on the way out a little bit. We lost Eli Manning, Peyton Manning. We're ushering in this new era of quarterback. The Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, potentially Tua. Um, we are in good hands, folks. The level of quarterback play is not going to have a sudden drop. We're in good hands here. Justin Herbert, 1,500 yards through five weeks. The man is slinging it around and then also we're in great hands because Lamar Jackson is rounding out the top five here 1519 yards passing passing weren't y'all calling this man a running back come on folks where stop that disrespect we never even said that here on the show we've always said calling Lamar Jackson is the ultimate disrespect this man's got a nice arm unfortunate lackluster deep ball weapons but they're figuring it out Marquise Brown is kind of overcoming those initial bad hurdles um, you know in the first couple of games dropping all those wide open deep balls but they're getting it together here they're hooking it up in Lamar Jackson top five in passing yards so uh, look at this crop folks look at the cream of the crop here uh, no pass Patrick Mahomes either. Is this time done? Like Russell Wilson, folks, we compare. They're, they're on the same trajectory, folks. Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is literally following to a T exactly what Russell Wilson has done his entire career. And Russell Wilson hasn't been to the Super Bowl in the last six years. I think we're starting to get that with Patrick Mahomes. Expect six years of Patrick Mahomes in this Chiefs team, not in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson both emerging onto the scene, being compared as the greatest of all time, being compared to Brady their first couple of years of how well they were and always winning the game, coming out of the gate, winning games, getting to a Super Bowl, winning their first one, getting to the second, uh, second Super Bowl and losing it kind of close, unfortunately. Well, the Chiefs weren't that close. Uh, Seahawks were a lot closer. They were on the one-yard line. Uh, but then after that second Super Bowl loss, boom, six years of nothing. Some decent playoff performances by Russell Wilson, but not getting back to that game. And uh, Patrick Mahomes is still on that trajectory to a T, folks, to a T. So be prepared for that, folks. Patrick, That's why you can't compare anything to Brady. So once again, bringing it all full circle, you cannot compare anybody to Tom Brady because y'all are you're out of your gore doing so because we you all just compared Russell Wilson to Tom Brady and I think I fell into that trap as well I know we didn't have the show here you know 
six, seven, eight years ago when Russell Wilson was emerging on the scene, but I was falling in love with uh, Russell Wilson as well, and now y'all are doing the same thing here with Patrick Mahomes. I think we have to take it a little bit, you know, a little bit, a uh, little slower with Patrick Mahomes. We've seen him go toe-to-toe with Tom Brady and lose both times, once in the AFC Championship game and once in the Super Bowl. Can't compare him, so... Tom Brady's obviously the GOAT. Um, he's leading the league in passing yards in 2021 <laughs> through five games. Holy cow. And he just had 300 yards this game. So uh, Derek Carr already uh, uh, 150 yards behind Tom Brady. Has to make up another 300 this game. So sheesh, sheesh. And then the last thing I just want to touch on quickly right here, uh, NFL on ESPN Twitter account poses a real interesting question here. They say, which duo are you going with? Quarterback, wide receiver, duo, and uh, they have three examples here. And it's just interesting to think about here. The first duo, Kyler Murray and Tyree Kill. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? We already know what Patrick Mahomes does with Tyree Kill. But, you know, we know Kyler Murray's more of a running quarterback than Patrick Mahomes is. And Tyree Kill's the fastest wide receiver in the game so could you imagine those hookups between Kyler Murray and Tyreek Hill and the nasty scheming you can do pre-play pre-snap with these great uh, talented athletes oh my goodness I would love to see that then they pose Lamar Jackson and DeAndre Hopkins, giving Lamar Jackson a true great deep threat. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, catching it over three Bills defenders last season to get the game-winning Hal Murray in the end zone. So you give that to Lamar Jackson. Sheesh, 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 folks. I mean, that's going to be one of the best duos in NFL history. Oh, my God. And then the last one they pose isn't anything great. It's Justin Herbert with Devontae Adams. But Justin Herbert already has Mike Williams Keenan Allen, Allen. and they're kind of like Devontae Adams. They're the like winning off of the line of scrimmage, solid deep balls, good crossing routes as well. So, you know, Justin Herbert with Devontae Adams, I don't think it really changes anything. But you put Kyler Murray with Tyree Kill, big explosion, fireworks, best best combo in NFL history. You put DeAndre Hopkins with Lamar Jackson, and it's the same thing that we just said with Kyler Murray. So, absolutely uh, great what if what ifs here. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever see these, but. Uh, we can dream. We can dream. <laughs> All right. Those are all the stories that we needed to cover uh, for today. So let's quickly go over and break down the NFL game from last night, the Thursday night football game to kick off week six, Bucks at Eagles. And then we'll get into our official picks for week six. So here we go. Bucks get the win here, 28 to 22, and you know it did seem close in the final box score, but overall this game wasn't that close. This Eagles offense is once again struggling to move the ball consistently and score the ball consistently. They had one good game of scoring the ball consistently, and that was against the Chiefs. And now we're starting to learn that this Chiefs team isn't good, isn't good. Now their defense is trash. The offense turns the ball over. And remember in that game against the Eagles. Eagles, Chiefs, Eagles, the Chiefs scored a touchdown on every single possession besides one where they threw the interception. So the Eagles struggling to score consistently. And, you know, when they have to go toe-to-toe scoring-wise, obviously they just are not there yet here. And that was exactly what we saw last night. So uh, Bucks go down and score a touchdown on their opening drive, making it 7-0. Then the Eagles did something really good, and I thought this game was going to be really competitive like we thought heading into this game. Uh, why we took the Eagles plus 6.5 last night on the show. 
So they go down and score a touchdown of their own, making it 7-7. But then this is where they separate themselves. This is where truly the Tier 1 teams separate themselves from the Tier 2 teams. Tom Brady goes down and answers on another touchdown, making it 14-7. And then the Eagles could not pick up a first down for the rest of the first half, folks. They couldn't pick up a first down, let alone putting up any points. And here we go. Second drive for the Eagles, 3-0. and out. Third drive for the Eagles. Three and out. Fourth drive for the Eagles. Three and out because of an interception. Fourth drive for the Eagles. Inter or three and out again. Fifth drive for the Eagles. Three and out again. Coming off of a Tom Brady interception. Uh, and now they're down 21-7 heading into halftime. The offense lost right there, not to be able, being able to move the ball. Then they caught some a little magic here in the second half, scoring a touchdown. Even their first drive out of halftime was a three and out here for the Eagles. Then they scored a touchdown after they're down 28-7 here. Now they can put up the points when they're down 21, when the defense can lax a little bit because they're down three scores. There's not any urgency here. Here on the Bucks defense, obviously they're still trying to stop. It's kind of subconsciously, hey, you know, we've got a lead. We can try some things. We can maybe uh, bite a little bit on some things to potentially jump some routes. We can press a little bit more. Um, so that's just kind of the overall defensive thinking. Um, Eagles take advantage and make it 28-14. to 14. Uh Tom Brady and the Bucks kind of struggle a little bit for the rest of the game, but the defense has really already won the game in the first half. Tom Brady doesn't need to make all those throws and put up all those points. So Tom Brady and the Bucks are still looking really good. A little uh, dink and dunky here for this Bucks team, and we're going to uh, watch it uh, break down their sets in a second. But I want to quickly bring up these third down plays here for the Eagles in the first half. Were they on Jalen Hurts? Were they on the play calling? A lot of screens last night for the Eagles, and just once again, what is up with all these play calling? Everybody's like these new coaches are falling in love with the rate what the Ravens are doing um, in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. But folks, obviously that doesn't work. That is once again the outlier. Everybody's taking the exceptions of all these rules and making them the new new kind of rules here, and that doesn't work. That's why those were the exceptions to the rules, and that's why they really haven't worked for the last twenty years in the NFL. What the Ravens are doing with Lamar Jackson and running the ball and utilizing. Lamar Jackson's true dual threat ability right here that doesn't work for everybody it, they caught magic with the Ravens and that's it that's why all the other rushing quarterbacks really aren't working nowadays even Russell Wilson is getting a little exposed a little bit over the last couple of years RG3 couldn't kind of hang on with that and uh, uh, even Patrick Mahomes is getting a little bit of kind of figured out as well. So it doesn't work. But now we're getting Kyle Shanahan with Trey Lance. We just saw him run the ball 16 times with Trey Lance. And that's not working. A lot of just direct quarterback snaps and a lot of just utilizing your speed at the line of scrimmage. That's really not getting it done in today's game. And now we get Nick Sirianni here with Jalen Hurts of a lot of screens and all that. Quick outs, quick dink and dunks and not really stretching the field vertically it's hurting the overall teams and they're not able to do it as good as the Ravens do it and obviously you need to do it as well as the Ravens do it because they're barely winning games they barely beat the Chiefs they barely beat the Colts this week so even if you run it to perfection it's still a close game and obviously the Eagles with Jalen Hurts and the 49ers with Trey Lance they're not close to Lamar Jackson so I think these new core these coaches here these new kind of dual threat quarterbacks 
quarterbacks, yeah, they're easy to fall in love with, but when you get them out of the, on the field, they it's harder to win with them than most of these people are thinking here. So it's just real interesting. But let's quickly go to the first third down that did not go. This was the second drive, third down and three. And like we were kind of saying, these third downs were all kind of third and shorts, like third and fives, third and threes. I think there were maybe one, like third and ten. But for the most part, we're talking about like third and fives, real manageable third down pickups, and they could not move the ball and pick it up in the first half, and that's really why they lost. But here we go. Let's uh, figure out this first one here. Here we go. Down 14-7, second drive of the game here for this Eagles team and they're facing a third and three. Here we go. What can they do here? Jalen Hurts in the backfield, dropping back to pass, pressure coming and he goes over the middle in a crossing route but misses a wide open read right here. Trying to, You should really hit Miles Sanders out of the backfield here. You have the defensive end crashing down. These two linebackers are going with the uh, with the slant routes over the middle of the field. You dump it down here to Miles Sanders toward the boundary. He tries to fit it in there. Defender makes a big play on the ball, and that is incomplete. So Jalen Hurts, a little bit of a not great read there right here. And once again... This Eagles game plan all game, the dink and dunk shallow routes uh, screen game, it was a little way too conservative here for Nick Sirianni's offense. Unfortunate. So, three and out there. Then the next drive here. Still only down 14-7. to seven. Hey, still the game is open. Doors open. Third and five this time. Here we go. Jalen Hurts, third drive of the game. Third and five. Got to keep the chains moving. Got to move the ball and threaten the defense. Here we go. Plenty of time to throw. And Jalen Hurts just misses. Is this Zach Ertz there on a huge kind of hitch route uh, towards the left sideline? And this is open here. He just misses it. Once again, not great. Right here by Jalen Hurts. Gotta shore up that accuracy. And we have his um Oh, they this crapped out on us. We can go back quickly. Uh we have the next gen passing stats here. Uh, so here we go. This is Jalen Hurts' passing chart. Just look at everything is dink and dunk here. Look at all these throws to the left and not utilizing the middle of the field here. Look at this. They're going left side to right side, left side to right side. And if you consistently do that, then you're making it easy on the defense to just to cover one side of the field. All right, we have to th cover the left side. We can do that. We have to cover the right side. We can do that. So both of these quarterbacks were really dinking and dunking, not really airing it out this entire game. But this was the main difference this Eagles offense was doing the left side to right side to right side to left side left side to right side but this is what Tom Brady did same thing with dink and dunk dink and dunk but he was utilizing the middle of the field look at all these throws 10 yards or less he only had 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 11 of his he had like 40 plus throws more than 10 yards down the field so yes Tom Brady was dinking and dunking like Jalen Hurts but the offensive scheme was better because it was over the middle of the field where they can either go left or right you have to guard the entire field now in Nick series uh, Nick series Nick series Nick Sirianni's offense last night was just cutting down the field uh, cutting down the field in the middle and saying all right guard the left or the right well you're taking away half the field so it's easier so not great offensive play calling here by this Eagles team and you know when they when they had the scheme right Jalen Hurts not executing so unfortunate there all right, but then we get their fourth drive, another three and out here. We'll watch this entire drive. Are we watching this entire drive? Did I not mark this up right? I got a first and ten. What do we got? Oh, this is the interception play. Okay. 
All right, so this is uh, not a three and out, but it's a three and out. They go three plays and then the interception. So let's see Jalen Hurts' interception of last night. His fault, not his fault. Let's find out. Here we go. And once again, still only down 14-7 at home. This is a game. Jalen Hurts, plenty of time to throw. He's going deep, taking that shot. And unfortunately, underthrown, and uh, that's a pick there. So once again, this Bucks defense having all those outs of Antoine Winfield Jr. being out, one of their quarter cornerbacks being out. I'm blanking on his name. Apologies, but he was also out as well. And uh, there's the everybody else next man up mentality was still getting it done here for this uh, Bucks team. So shout out to that. But yeah, Jalen Hurts trying to take the shot here and just overthrows the ball. A little disappointing here on the, with this receiver not truly competing for this ball, even though it was underthrown. Kind of jumps a little early. Okay. But that's still, you know, it's a shot there with Jalen Hurts, which we appreciate, but you can't make it a pick when you throw these 50-50 balls. You need to put it in a position where only your receiver can get it, and he just overthrows it. So, unfortunate there with Jalen Hurts. Once again, once you get kind of the scheme good, Jalen Hurts can't really capitalize there. And then we've got this three and out right here, third and six. Now they're down 21-7 now, a little bit more urgency. A minute and 40 left in the first half. Jalen Hurts dropping back to pass. Plenty of time to throw, plenty of time to throw. Launches it and overthrows, not able to make that uh, throw here. And this is an open throw right over the corner. Right before the safety, it's a pinpoint throw, and it's it's a tough throw to make. I'm not saying this is an easy throw, but this is a throw you need to make right here. So Jalen Hurts' uh, deep ball accuracy desperately needs to be cleaned up. That's the worst thing about him. We believe well, if he can start honing in the accuracy, this man is a good quarterback, utilizes legs, he makes usually the right decisions, but you got to clean up the accuracy right there. And then he had one final opportunity right here. A two-minute drive. They get the ball back because they pick off Tom Brady, which obviously is happening a little bit more often here over the last two seasons. But it doesn't matter because they're still winning games. So Tom Brady's like, yeah, I don't give a damn. I'll throw one, two, even three interceptions in a game. We'll still win. I don't care. Um, nobody takes advantage of Tom Brady's interceptions. So he's like, why am I going to stop taking these chances if nobody's going to make me pay? Aaron Rodgers didn't make me pay after three interceptions last year in the NFC Championship game. I can throw interceptions whenever I want and he's doing it here this season still and they're five and one riddle us that once again exception to every rule folks but here we go. Uh, Jalen Hurts, a two-minute drive here, basically a minute drive. The good starting field position at the 32-yard line, down 14 points, really got a score here because they, they get the ball out of halftime, right? Yeah, they get the ball out of halftime. So you score here, you make it a one-possession game, and you get the ball out of halftime, potentially to tie it up at home. Now it's a whole different ball game. But like we said, the offense was struggling here, even a three and out uh, to start the second half. But here we go. Let's watch this two-minute drive here. Plenty of time to throw here by Jalen Hurts. Shorts it to a comeback route on the left sideline. Incomplete. Once again, got to shore up the accuracy. I think they reviewed this one and call it incomplete. Um... Let's watch this one in slow-mo. Obviously, it hits the ground. Jalen Rager has got to catch that. That one's, a, that one's on Jalen Rager. Still a tough throw altogether, but Jalen Hurts 
decent accuracy right there. And once he has decent accuracy, you must make it up for him. These receivers must be playing. You know, this is what we talk about in Tier 2 wide receivers. Our classification of kind of Tier 2 wide receivers, they really don't elevate the wide receivers. Or these Tier 2 quarterbacks don't elevate uh, Tier 2 wide receivers. And all these receivers here on the Eagles are Tier 2. They don't have a DeAndre Hopkins, a Stephon Diggs, um, a Devontae Adams, a Tyreek Hale. Those are Tier 1s. They got Jalen Rager, Tier 2. They got Devontae Smith, a rookie who can become a Tier 1, uh, but he's a rookie, so he's still still in Tier 2 status. So you've got to kind of elevate these quarterbacks' play out here, and they're not doing that. So incomplete pass here. Now we're going to get a second and 10 now. Clock is stopped. You've got three timeouts. You can go wherever you want here in the field. Steps up in the pocket, escapes the pressure, throwing on the run towards the left side and throws it out of bounds. Nowhere really to go with the ball. And then we get a third and 10 right here. Once again, you can do whatever you want here. Three timeouts. Pick up the first down at solid field position right here at the 32-yard line. Here we go. Drops back to pass. Plenty of time to throw, decides to take off with it, and only gets about six yards before getting out of bounds and once again having to punt. So just this offense, another slow start here. Uh, Nick Sirianni starting to come into a little bit of a question here. I know it's still early, but you know time is running out of competing for a playoff spot, competing for this division. Um, obviously, the Giants in Washington, you don't have to worry about them in the NFC East, but the Dallas Cowboys, man, oh, man, they're looking way better offensively, defensively everything than this Eagles team so there's still time for this Eagles team to catch up but the offensive play calling needs to be better and Jalen Hurts's accuracy needs to be shored up Alrighty, now let's uh, break down some stats from last night. We can start here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady. Here we go. He goes 34 of 42. 34 of 42. It's 80% completion percentage. A little bit of a dink and dunk game. We see uh, only 297 yards on 34 completions. And we see the drive. Ch uh, we see all the dr uh, uh, the passing chart here. Like we said, dink and dunk as well. But this is, you know, the difference of, you know, dink and dunk and taking what the defense gives you. Tom Brady making it work. Uh, you know, two of these touchdowns, one went uh, on a 10-yard pass, one went on a 20-yard pass. And uh, once again, this offense here for the Bucs is just there's so much to cover because there's so much talent and speed at the wide receiver and running back positions. It's hard to cover everything here for this Bucs team. So Tom Brady taking advantage of what the defense gives you and coming out with the win. Two touchdowns, one pick as well. The pick, we don't even care about Tom Brady throwing picks anymore because y'all don't make them pay. We see this time and time again. It doesn't matter how many interceptions Tom Brady throws. He will still win the game. Let me go. Uh, let me get up his career stats quickly. Can I bring these up? Is Google finally working for us? Uh, Tom Brady. I want to see. Um, here we go. Tom Brady. I want to see what Tom Brady. How many interceptions he threw last year compared to like what he was doing kind of every single year with the Patriots? Because we obviously know he won the Super Bowl last year, obviously. But last year, how many interceptions he threw? He threw 12 interceptions last year, folks. 12. His most highest seasons is 14 and 12 and 13. So a season where he threw his most interceptions, and he usually does, he still wins the Super Bowl. Why? Why? Because y'all don't make him pay for those interceptions. Still able to win games uh, while throwing 12 picks. So that's what Tom Brady does, folks. The most he's ever thrown in the season is 14. He's done it three times. So, he's not one for the picks, folks, like Aaron Rodgers. 
and he's already got three this season through six games. So six twelve, uh, about uh, three more, three six nine. So this only puts him at nine. So he's right on target of being less than last season. So another Super Bowl in Tom Brady's future, most most likely, folks. Jeez. Alrighty, and let's talk about this running game because Leonard Fournette, folks, this is what I'm loving the emergence of Leonard Fournette, folks. Uh, we talk about it, you know, decently every week here because we're seeing it every single week. It's not Ronald Jones being the number one running back here for this Bucks team like it was last season. They are truly, truly utilizing Leonard Fournette, and he's getting better here, way better than he was last season, and we absolutely love it. So Leonard Fournette, 22 carries for 81 yards, two touchdowns as well, rushing for 3.7 yards a carry. It's not it's not nothing special or spectacular, but it's still real solid here. Exactly what it needs to be for this Bucks team. It doesn't need to be above and beyond because you have Tom Brady. So it doesn't need, it. You don't need a Derrick Henry in the backfield when you have Tom Brady. You need a serviceable, big, beefy weapon, and that's Leonard Fournette getting it done. 22 carries. That's what we love. We've got 42 passes with Tom Brady and 22 rushes by the running back. I mean, complete offense right here. So absolutely love that. Ronald Jones still getting decent production here. Five carries for 20 yards. We'll take that. Um, and then who was Tom Brady re, uh, throwing to all game long? Antonio Brown, nine receptions for 93 yards. Once again, what is different from this Bucks team this year than last year? Antonio Brown right from the get-go, getting it done. Leonard Fournette being the main back. And is this offense a little bit better than it was last year? I think a little bit. I would say a little bit. I don't think Tom Brady was leading the league in passing yards five weeks into the season. And like we said, he's got another 300 here this week. So heading into week seven, he's still going to be like the leading uh, passing quarterback here in the league. So, man, oh, man, folks. This Bucks team, they're not what they were last year. They're even better. They told us they were going to be. And we believed them, but now we're seeing it. Holy cow. O.J. Howard, their tight end, six receptions, 49 yards, one touchdown. O.J. Howard got out to a touchdown uh, first, and then it was Zach Ertz. We thought we were going to get a battle of the tight ends there, but that's all they did for basically the entire game. Came out firing hot, and then kind of just sat back in their chair for the rest of the game. Uh, Leonard Fournette, also what makes him better this year than what he was last year, catching the ball. He was abysmal catching the ball. Uh, I'm going to double-check my fact on that too. Uh, let's get that up. I want to see Leonard Fournette catch percentage last season um i want to get a get a nice uh, stat to that um hopefully it lines up that uh, we know what we're talking about here uh but here we go last season leonard fournette's catch percentage uh 76 this season 83 bingo bango better than it was last season he goes six for six six targets six receptions this season fantastic and what we're talking about you know running backs catching the ball we expect high catch percentage because usually they're dinking dunks out of the backfield we don't have Leonard Fournette running you know 40 50 yards down the field like wide receivers do so still like 76 percent catch percentage is a little bit low for these running backs and uh you know this year like we said 83 percent so catching the ball at a better pace pace right here to utilize it and he was the third leading receiver here for the Bucks. six receptions on six targets for 46 yards then we had Chris Godwin five receptions for 43 yards Mike Evans two receptions for 27 yards and they still put up 28 points and two passing touchdowns and 300 yards passing folks 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 this Bucks team I mean what can you say about it 
So great job offensively, defensively here by the box. And then when we look at the Eagles, man, Jalen Hurts, 12 of 26. That's nothing good, folks. That's less than 50%. We got officially 46% completion percentage for only 115 yards, one touchdown, one pick. I mean, once again, abysmal offense here by this Eagles team. I don't put it all on Jalen Hurts. We still need some good play calling here. And like we said, it was ultra conservative here. Well, we don't think it needed to be. You know, we know those two big outs here of the safety and the cornerback take those shots, test that weapon from the start, in the middle, and at the end of the game, and the Eagles just never did that. So, truly unfortunate there. They never really had a running game either. Miles Sanders, nine carries for 56 yards, and then Jalen Hurts taking off 10 times himself for 44 yards. He scored two touchdowns. I'll give him credit for that one. But other than that, I mean, we're looking at like the same offense that the 49ers runs with Trey Lance, and it just doesn't work. It's not working, obviously. They're not winning games. They're barely putting up the points. They're barely competitive through the entire game. But yeah, they're adamant on making it work. It doesn't work unless you're Lamar Jackson. And Jalen Hurts is not Lamar Jackson. He's got a good arm, so let him pass. Trey Lance, I don't even know what the hell that dude is yet. Um, I haven't really seen that much of him. Everything that we've seen so far is nothing great. He's worse than Jalen Hurts, in my opinion. And you're running an offense that is supposed to be tailored to Lamar Jackson. So I just don't like the offenses overall by Philadelphia and the 49ers, folks. It's not a good offense schematic. Automatically, weapons-wise, everything a part of it, it's not going to win in this league, and we're seeing it here, folks. I, you got to change this offense. You've got to change it. I won't buy. I won't buy these teams until they change the offense, folks. Um, I want to buy Jalen Hurts. I'm real close to buying Jalen Hurts, but overall, this team, it's not it. And then you just got rid of Zach Ertz, so real worse than what they were coming into this game. So barely established the running game. Uh, who was Jalen Hurts throwing to? Quez Watkins, three receptions, 44 yards. Devontae Smith, two receptions, 31 yards, and he only had four targets. Why is that? Why is Devontae Smith only having four targets? Get that man the ball. He should be having eight to ten targets a game consistently. None of this four garbage. Devontae Smith is good. He's the best receiver. Take advantage. Zach Ertz, four receptions, 29 yards. He had six targets. Targeted the most of any other passing, uh, pass-catching player here for the Eagles, and you just traded them away looks like they're throwing in the towel of the season kind of early unfortunate so nothing great here by the Eagles offensively yeah they made it decently competitive in the second half and I'm grateful that you know we hit the plus six and a half so thank you Philadelphia but watching this game you were like oh yeah the Eagles right from right from the get-go when they were down 14-7 you're like and then they go three and out three and out three and out you're like yeah this is not this is not going to get it done even though the Bucks were kind of going three and out three and out with the Eagles decently in the first half you're all uh, you, we know we have way more confidence in Tom Brady because we've seen him Jalen Hurts we haven't really seen him lead a comeback so Eagles offense, man. We don't like it. We don't like it. We don't like it. We've been trying to buy this Eagles team, folks. We're not Eagles haters. I mean, we talk, we say like one not positive thing about one team, and y'all instantly call us uh, haters. Like, what are y'all talking about? Um, we don't hate and we don't love any team. We talk about teams, how they should be talked about. That's what we do here on the show. Unbiased views of every single team. And we're usually right. I mean, look at our track record. Look at who we have in the top 10 here. Look who we have as number one, as number two. 
and everybody following suit with us. I mean, we get a great perspective of truly what these teams are made of because we don't have biases clouding our judgments and we don't have any and we're not forced to say anything that we don't want to because nobody's sponsoring the show so we get free to say whatever the hell we want um so eagles offense man it's not good it's not good and you're going against the bucks who have the best team in the league overall offensively it's fantastic it's so great so, Bucks get the win, twenty-eight to twenty-two. Eagles, man, I'm not buying them heading into the next week. So, not great. All right, then after the game, uh, Tom Brady, a little bit of a thumb injury, you know, kind of uh, not really talked about too much in the media because it was a short week for them. But Tom Brady says, yeah, no, I feel great. I really do. Thumb injury, no worries here. And we saw him because he was he was dinking and dunking a little bit, but I don't think that really had to do anything with his thumb. It was still great completion percentage. It was just it, – it, it's not what the game called for. It's a short week. We don't really want to implement anything big. Let's just kind of go back to fundamental offense with these great weapons, and we'll put up 28 points points no problem and our defense will be able to take care of the rest of it so a uh, short week dink and dunk offense by Tom Brady but that doesn't change our opinion about anything that this Bucks team is it's a short week folks wonky Thursday night games y'all know and then Jalen Hurts after the game, uh, Jalen Hurts on struggles offense, uh, struggling offense, quote, I have to be better. And I kind of want to go into this one because we're talking about the offense in general here. So let's see what Jalen Hurts thinks about this offense and what's going on and why he needs to be better. But let's quickly read these quotes here. We get uh, one, two, uh, three, four. We'll go through them quickly. Here we go. All right, here we go. Outside of the first drive, which was aided by a 45-yard defensive pass interference penalty, the Eagles' offense had no more than three plays on six straight possessions in the second and third quarters, five three-and-outs and one interception. Exactly what we just broke down. Uh, quote here by uh, Jalen Hurts. Quote, they came out and had a great plan. Like I said, it's on us to be able to adjust recognize what they're doing and combat uh, combat that my mind doesn't change on any of this in terms of the mentality that it is on us we control the destiny of everything we do everything we touch and everything we put our hands on we have to be better and I have to be better for this football team I have to be better yeah so does the offensive play calling it's not all on Jalen Hurts but he's saying the right things I mean that's what he has to say hey I have he's not going to throw anybody under the bus that's not the leader that he is and that's what we know so obviously he's saying the right things but still at the same time Nick Sirianni has to do a better job getting it done offensively. All righty. Um, let's see what Nick Sirianni has to say now. Here we go. Sirianni was asked if leaning on run pass options as their primary ground game weapon puts too much pressure on Hertz to make the correct decision instead of just calling direct run plays. He said, quote, no, I don't think so. He's been doing that a long time, that his RPO game and how he reads things. So I don't believe that's an issue. So uh, kind of interesting, different philosophies here. We see the Bears with Matt Nagy. I mean, barely letting Justin Fields control the offense. We've seen like 26. Six plus runs, uh, rushing attempts, and really kind of a run heavy. I think it's actually 30. I think it was 30 plus uh, between their two running backs. So barely letting Justin Fields run the offense. And now Jalen Hurts, like we said, you know, he's not a true rookie, but he doesn't have a full 16 game season under his belt or even like a 15 game or 10 or anything like that. He played like four or five games last year. So he is still a little bit of a rookie in the sense of on field experience. And Nick Sirianni, rookie head coach, putting it kind of a lot on Jalen hurts to get it done and they just don't have the pieces to really complement that type of offense uh, so I really think it's more of the offense than Jalen Hurts at this point 
All right, what else we get here? One more quote here by Nick Sirianni. The coach's love of receiver screens has been figured out by defenses, making that outlet futile and putting the offense behind the sticks too often. Hurts shouldered the blame for the inconsistent offense. Quote uh, by Jalen Hurts. Excuse me. Quote. I think have I think I haven't executed well enough to win. Clearly, I take responsibility for that. I always take responsibility for that because the ball is in my hands every play, and I enjoy that. And I think that. I have to be better. And we see that on the third down, third and shorts, not hitting the open receivers and not making the right read. So, yeah, it is still on Jalen Hurts a little bit as well. All right, one last quote here by Jalen Hurts. Here we go. Uh, quote, this whole year we kind of shot ourselves in the foot and we know and we believe. I have unwavering faith in the guys on this football team and everybody on this field and that we have everything we need. It is just a matter of us putting that together. It is the, it is tough, but I have unwavering faith in everyone in this building and that it will come. To go toe-to-toe with a team like that, as bad as I started, it is bad, and we didn't click early. When it came down to clutch time at the end of the game, we ran out of time. And that's what this Eagles offense is. We just saw it last week when they were down. Um, who they have last week? Oh, my God. I am blanking today. I am. I apologize, folks. But, I mean, down in the first half and then staging that big comeback. Is this what this Eagles team is? Because that's not a good – that's not a sign of a good offense if you're just down because the other team is up big and then you come back to make it look serviceable like what we saw with Sam Darnold two weeks ago against the Cowboys everybody was like oh they kind of almost beat the Cowboys it's like no they didn't they throw back-to-back interceptions in the third quarter and then they were able to maybe string along some things together in the fourth quarter but they were already down like three possessions so that's not a good offense that's not any indication that y'all should be building what good standards are when they're coming back down from behind it's a great in the moment and it's something that you can build upon but it's not something that we should escalate as something so great in that this is like uh, can match with other great tiers in this league that can come out and get it done right from the get-go and don't need to be down 21 points to start getting it going into high gear so and it was last week with the Panthers Uh, the Panthers always in everything that we talk about which is never great because they're not a great team overall but we digress Eagles offense needs to be better Jalen Hurts got to shore up the accuracy and uh, the they got to put up points consistently, and they just haven't done that. So, Eagles offense is the big problem. The defense is a real solid defense here. So, that was Thursday Night Football from last night. Bucks went 28-22. All righty, let's close out the show with our official Week 6 picks, folks. Sheesh, feeling real gosh dang good. Uh, we just hit the first Thursday night pick of the entire year, if you can believe it. Uh, but uh, we took Eagles plus six and a half last night. They lose by six, but that is a win for us. We'll take it, and we're ready. We just told y'all at the beginning of the show, we have finally figured out the NFL. It takes a couple of weeks into the season, football season, basketball season as well, to truly get a gauge. All right, what is Vegas doing here with the spreads? What are these teams all about? What are the good teams? What are the bad teams? And it just only took us five weeks to figure it all out. We're ready to run the gauntlet. We will not miss a pick for the rest of the year, folks. We figured it out. We're one for one this week. We're ready to keep it rolling here, going six for six this week with our official kind of Sundays, the main picks here. 
So, um, we do six picks every single week here. We get three picks in our lock section. These are locks, folks. You can bet whatever you want because of, these are locks. Last week in our locks, we went uh, one of th- one of two. Uh, we hit one of two, one of three picks. So those are locks, folks. Obviously, did you not just hear our track record? Um, but uh, last week our locks were Panthers minus three, and that's foolish on us for believing in Sam Darnold. We will never do that again. Don't worry, folks. Uh, Chiefs minus three. Once again, we just took them out of our top ten. We are not leaving in this Chiefs team for a while, folks. We took that minus three. They lose outright. But then we hit the Cardinals minus four and a half, and they win by seven. Bingo, bango. That's what we're talking about. That's a lock, and we can continue to buy this Cardinals team like we know we can. And then we do ninety-nine, uh, three picks in our 99% guarantee categories. We feel so confident about these, but there is one thing potentially, maybe, possibly, that goes wrong that maybe potentially hinders the outcome of the game and the overall score and our bet. Uh, last week in our 99% guarantees, we went uh, two of three. Fantastic. We hit uh, Titans minus four. <laughs> that was an easy one right there. And Titans are coming back this week in our picks, so buckle up. We had Washington plus two and a half. Um, you know, it was Jameis Winston's best game. What do y'all want from us? We'll, we're not betting on this Washington team for a while either. And then we had the Chargers minus two. They go toe-to-toe, win by five over the Browns, bingo, bingo. So 50%, three hits, three losses last week. But like we said, we just hit the Thursday night pick. And we have not hit the Thursday night pick for the first five weeks of this season, folks. So we are ready to rock. We are ready to rock. So here we go, folks. Let's start taking some picks. Here we go. First pick in our locks category here folks are y'all ready we're going dolphins minus three two is over the disrespect folks it's all over the place it's even in my own family folks the two of disrespect and i didn't even think it would be able to uh come to the forefront uh <laughs> come to my doorstep the two of hate but it's even in the family folks i can't believe it two is ready to shut everybody up they're in london uh jaguars are we gonna believe urban meyer's not gonna cheat on his wife in london i mean he was in cincinnati cheating in his wife uh, and it, from cincinnati to jacksonville that's close that's decently close we got a whole nother country and they've got the guards over there in london that are kind of first say are kind of um uh bound by silence those guards with the hats that protect the palace so if they see urban meyer cheating they can't say anything about it so he may think he can get away with the cheating here in london so he's probably not even with the team he's probably early in london he's like i'll see y'all in london because i got some things to take care of here so uh, Urban Meyer in London, the team doesn't respect them. The Dolphins' defense is going to make them pay. Um, this Jaguars' uh, running game is pretty solid, and we like Trevor Lawrence, but that's really the only thing good about this team overall. And once again, you must have your team uh buttoned up going overseas what won last week in London Matt Ryan why because he was the only veteran for both teams rookie head coach rookie uh, quarterback for the Jets they flounder in the first half can't do anything that is to be seen and given Brian Flores or Urban Meyer who runs a tighter ship Brian Flores Tua or Trevor Lawrence one's a rookie one's got some experience so far they're going to good be good traveling overseas and we only have to swallow three points Tua back with the offense baby this is not the Jacoby Brissett offense that offense is pure trash Tua can play folks and I can't wait for this man to be back in action in our Wednesday film study show it's going to be an hour two two and a half hours of just watching Tua so y'all better buckle up for that because y'all have awoken the beast here so Dolphins minus three surefire bet absolutely take that take that take that 
Alrighty, our next pick in our locks section is going to be Steelers minus five and a half. And I'm not saying this to disrespect Geno Smith, but I am saying this because I am betting on this Steelers offense. We believe here at Takes by Fans, the national media has this Steelers narrative wrong. It's nothing with Big Ben. The yards are there, folks. The yards are there. Rushing yards, passing yards, they're there. It's the point totals that is uh, disrupting everybody's opinion on what this Steelers team is. They are fine offensively. They just need to put up the points to go with their yards overall for the game. So we're not worried about the Steelers offense. The Seahawks have Geno Smith this week. I think Geno Smith will be good, but the Steelers defense is real, real good. And the Seahawks offense was struggling with Russell Wilson. You don't think it's going to struggle a little bit with Geno Smith? Russell Wilson's better than Geno Smith. And that's not a knock to Geno Smith. That is just pure fact. And I don't think anybody would argue with that. I don't even think Geno Smith would argue with that. Um, so I get the Steelers here at home, ready to prove everybody wrong. Sunday night football, big time game. And yeah, Geno Smith looked good last week, but was that because there was no tape on him and that um, the Rams weren't expecting to face Geno Smith? Because who would be expecting to face Geno Smith? Am I right? So they just weren't ready for that because he hasn't played in four years. No tape on him. So he had some decent success there. But I'm just not buying it overall. I think the Pittsburgh defense keeps him in check. And I think Big Ben puts up some points, like 28 to 30 points. And I don't think the Seahawks are able to keep up pace offensively scoring with them. I'm taking the Steelers minus 5.5. Don't fall with the national media's narrative on the Steelers team, folks. I think this is an emergence for the Steelers. And everybody in the media come on Monday is like, okay, Big Ben's got it back or something like that. Oh, finally, the offense is clicking. The offense has been clicking, folks. They just haven't been putting up the points. It's unfortunate. Turnovers at an unfortunate situation. I'm not like saying, oh my God, this Steelers team is so freaking great and everybody's like overlooking them. No, they, they're still making the mistakes, but I don't think that continues here. And it's a big game here, primetime TV, Sunday night football. And with all those narratives going around in Geno Smith, I think the Steelers have a great game and people are kind of apologizing to the Steelers on Monday. We're taking that minus five and a half points. And then our last pick here in our lock section, we went against the Bills last week, and we're doing it again. We're doing it again this week. I'm giving the Bills the respect they deserve, folks. I'm not not respecting this Bills team, but I mean the column five and a half points favorites on the road, folks. Monday Night Football again, again. Now I don't want to say this, but I'm gonna have to say this, folks. The Bills, little bit of a bailout game last. Last week with uh, Patrick Mahomes and this uh, Chiefs team turning over the ball heavily here. And I understand the Bills defense was forcing some of those takeaways. I get it. The Bills defense is very, very good. This is the best thing about the Bills team is their defense. But once again, it's just kind of... What happens when the game is close, when nobody's committing turnovers? Is Josh Allen going to be able to keep up pace and get it done in the clutch? I think Josh Allen's a little bit worse overall than he was last season, which is not the biggest knock because what he did last season was absolutely fantastic. I mean, we gushed and bragged about it the entire offseason, folks. We were ready to watch it this season. We just haven't really seen it come to fruition. 
but we get this Titans team at home Monday night football game five and a half points I think that's great value out we're taking that I'm gonna say I'm gonna take that all day we are taking that all day uh, but Derrick Henry this Bills team has to be ready for this rushing attack they the Titans aren't going to switch up their their offensive scheme they're going to run the ball 30 plus times and we'll see if the Bills defense what they are truly made out of when they're getting smacked from start to finish we saw Derrick Henry smack the Jaguars the entire game uh, the offense got a little bit uh, you know demoralized as the uh, or the defense got a little demoralized as the game went on so this Bills team I think this is a true test for them and we'll see how they uh, handle it I'm not saying the Bills won't win this game but I get five and a half points here with this Titans team and they're not even utilizing Julio Jones Julio Jones didn't play last week and they're still able to move the ball put up points I think that's real impressive I think everybody's getting clouded judgment with this Bills team because they're blowing out bad teams with no quarterbacks great uh, I give them credit for the Chiefs win we are still giving them credit for that win but all those turnovers there the mistakes Patrick Mahomes kind of being um, you know this is his down year if we're kind of going on the same track that Russell Wilson went down and this Titans team still wants stuff to prove and we just read that article earlier about the Bills kind of using last uh, last uh, year's game against the Titans as fuel, but they didn't do that with the Chiefs. So why are they switching up that tactic now? We don't love it. We don't like it. Titans plus five and a half. I'm taking all those points. Absolutely. So our three locks are Dolphins minus three, Steelers minus five and a half, and Titans plus five and a half. Alrighty, now let's talk through our 99% guarantees, folks. Here we go. First one up here and uh, why we can't put it as a lot. Um, this one went down as well. So this uh, this value has been kind of going crazy here. But we're taking the Cardinals plus three, folks. We loved the value uh, last night when we first looked at the line. We see a couple of their offensive linemen out uh, this week. Zach Ertz is not playing this week. We get it. But overall, this Cardinals team is finding ways to win the game. So if they have to you know, realign their offensive line and use some more kind of second string defenders in the defense there in the starting rotation we absolutely believe they'll win still we don't care they they've won every single way here so replacing some players here with backups here they'll still be able to get it done it's the team overall it's everybody it's the second string it's the play calling it's everything that's great here with this Cardinals team and we've stressed it so much of why this Cardinals team is still number one in our power rankings they find ways to win the game folks down from behind while throwing multiple interceptions and turning the ball over in the second half on the road still coming back winning right out of the gate putting up the points beating the Rams in Rams folks in the Rams in LA I mean they know how to win games they just had a lackluster offensive game last week they held the defense held them to a win they know how to win in different scenarios different situations clutch not clutch uh, down not down everything like that so if they have to replace a couple of players we still believe heavily in the next minute mentality here for the this Cardinals team. This Browns defense is very, very good. A little bit of a lackluster performance last week, giving up 45, 47 points, a lot of points there. Baker Mayfield still a little questionable here. Finally getting back on track next week. We know he's not the most consistent in clutch, so can he keep it up week after week? Browns at home is the biggest thing for them, but this Cardinals defense is ready to go, and the offense is ready to rock, and they don't, they're not going to lose just because a couple of people are being out. We could get the Cardinals plus three points. I'm taking that all day long, folks. Absolutely. Give me three. 
Alrighty, our next pick here, and we're giving some respect to this team. We're going Texans plus 10 over the Colts in Indianapolis, folks. Big division game right here, but what is this Colts team, folks? They're nothing big. They're nothing explosive. This is their easiest game, and this is why it's in our 99% guarantees. This is like their most easiest game that they need to win and kind of have a great showing to prove that they can compete you know, as Super Bowl contenders this year. But this Texans team, Davis Mills coming off of his best performance. you got to give him credit for that. Got to give credit to this Texans team, folks. I'll say it again. I say it every week. Give credit to David Culley, the head coach for the Texans. He's running such a clean, tight ship given the circumstances surrounding this Texans team. Deshaun Watson is a non-factor, non-distraction in that locker room, and it shows every single week. They are decently competitive here. Uh, like we said, unfortunately, you know, lost the game in the second half last week, but they're learning how to put things together. This is not the most talented offensive team, but they play with heart, and that starts at the top with the head coach. I cannot give enough credit to David Culley of how he's handling this Texans whole, uh, whole narrative and saga year one for them. I give them a ton of credit. If Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback for the Texans, they don't only have one win, folks. I would say two to three wins at this point. I get 10 points with this Texans team. Division, rival, huge game for this Colts where they need to prove. So maybe Carson Wentz does a little bit more than he should be doing. That gets them into trouble defensively for the uh, Texans so they can get some takeaways. And T.Y. Hilton is back with the Colts. I know a lot of people are taking that as a positive, but I think it also could be a little bit of a negative. Carson Wentz knows he's getting his number one receiver back. Does he fall a little bit too in love with T.Y. Hilton going to him maybe 15 times this game? Um... It maybe hurts, and maybe uh, T.Y. Hilton isn't up to par here to play just quite yet first game back. So I'm getting 10 points here in a division matchup with the Texans, with Davis Mills finally getting it together here. I look for this Texans team to build on what they did last week to keep it close. They may not win, but I get 10 points. That's all I need. The Colts don't blow out anybody. They're not explosive. They're not great offensively. Um, I get 10 here. I'm taking the 10. Texans, Texans, Texans. Don't sleep on this team. Uh, they are not the worst team in the league. League, folks not by far all right, and then our last pick in our 99% guarantees, our last pick for our week is Cowboys minus three and a half, folks. Y'all know we love this Cowboys team. We had them number two in our power rankings, Dax leadership, the dual threat uh, running back position of Zeke and Tony Pollard is immaculate. We've got Amari Cooper, CeeDee Land, and uh, the tight end Dalton Schultz truly coming into his own here this season. Shout out to tight end University. Cowboys minus three and a half here, and I know they're going against the Patriots in Foxborough. I get it. Bill Belichick held Tom Brady to 17 points, so I'm assuming he's not going to let Dak really pass it on him, but but they've got that immaculate running game to keep up pace scoring-wise. And now when we talk about the Patriots offense, we can't believe in Mac Jones that, good, that great. He's playing good game manager football, which is great. That's all you, we really want to see out of Mac Jones thus far this season. But this Cowboys defense is one of the best defenses in the league, so yeah, we've got a great uh defensive coach in Bill Belichick and we got a great defense in the Cowboys so this is going to be a lower scoring game overall but who can we rely on to put up points Mac Jones and their cast of tier two weapons all over the place or one of the most explosive offensive weapons wise in the Cowboys I think that I think like I said I'm giving credit to the Patriots defense here 
but I think the Cowboys offense should be kind of credited equally as the Patriots defense. And if we're just taking pure offense and offense, I got we got to take Dak Prescott over Pat or over Mac Jones and Zeke and Tony Pollard and Amari Cooper and Ceedee Lamb and Dalton Schultz all over the Patriots receivers that have really been doing nothing great. The Patriots got off to a slow start offensively last week, had to come back from behind, and if they get behind with this Cowboys team, the Cowboys defense will not let them come back. They are ball hawks, folks. Trayvon Diggs, you don't think he's going to be picking off Mac Jones two to three times? Absolutely. Micah Parsons, you don't think he's rushing Mac Jones, getting a couple of sacks here, one and a half, two, two, three and a half sacks? Absolutely. So I'm giving credit to this Patriots team and Bill Belichick defensively, but this Cowboys offense, they'll put up more points overall, and we only have to swallow three and a half. That's great value. Maybe getting like seven, if we had to swallow seven, I think that's where we cut, you know, do like a cutoff, maybe even like six, six and a half, but I only have to swallow three and a half here. I think the Cowboys can definitely do it. Cowboys minus three and a half, great to bet right there. So our three 99% guarantees are Cardinals plus three, Texans plus three, and Cowboys minus three and a half. And we're going to do another bonus pick this week, folks. It doesn't fall into any category. We just like the Bengals minus three and a half. Zach Taylor was saying everything that we needed him to say in this Lions team. We're not going to wait around for them to win their first game. We'll swallow the three and a half here. Bengals look to kind of blow out this Lions team, establish themselves as one of the best teams, and we're going to swallow the three and a half here with the Bengals. We're Leaving in Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, and Jamar Chase, folks. We like the Bengals. All right, so our picks this week are Dolphins minus three, Steelers minus five, Titans plus five and a half, Cardinals plus three and a half, Texans plus ten, Cowboys minus three and a half, and we're looking to go six for six, folks. So play along at home if you like and cash out with us on Monday, folks. Alrighty, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We are back live tomorrow, Saturday, noon Eastern, where we just kind of, you know, uh, we'll see if NFL put out that video that we like to kind of go over uh, what their predictions are, what their uh, algorithm shows and all that. It will just kind of, you know, talk through the stories that come out and talk through our picks a little bit and see what everybody else is saying. So we're back here live tomorrow, noon Eastern. Come out and watch. Have a great time. It's always great here, isn't it, folks? Isn't it great energy on the show? How could you not watch the show? We don't get it. But we digress. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. We'll